Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hey, John. It's always good to talk with you and uh, to see you over Zoom. How are you doing? How's your week going? Um, my week's going pretty well. We are kicking off the young adult ministry at our church this week. Uh, we took a break for the summer and they're back at it and I'm starting to help out with them. So it's something I'm really excited for, excited for this kind of the newness of this ministry, it feels like. Do you guys meet remotely then or is it, uh, do you guys in-person social distance? So we're actually going to be meeting at the church, but outdoors. So we have an outdoor patio and we're going to hang out out there. It'll be socially distant and everything. But this is brand new because this will pretty much be one of the first things back in the, not in the building, but back at the building. Cool. How about you? Yeah, for us, you know, we've been doing homeschooling this year. We just felt like with everything going on, God was leading us towards homeschooling, even though Jenny and I have kind of resisted doing that for a while. But we're in homeschooling now, and Jenny's been doing an awesome job. The kids are actually loving it. We finish before noon, and we don't think they're really falling behind, so that's good. But the kids are enjoying it. I think Jenny's enjoying it. The only issue is that the youngest, he's not doing homeschool, and so he's just kind of walking around the classroom room and you know playing with toys and generally just being a distraction but other than that everything is going smoothly the school mascot kind of <laughs> yes <laughs> nice yeah. well uh, i'm excited just for another episode today we have a good friend of mine coming on with us uh, we have pablo garcia pablo is the youth pastor at chinese alliance church of westchester and that's in new york and so pablo welcome to the bamboo pastors podcast we're so glad that you're on with us Hey guys, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks, Pablo. Could you give us, as we start, just a, a one minute, two minute synopsis or overview of your ministry journey, how you felt called to get into ministry? Yeah, so I grew up in Lima, Peru. I am Peruvian. So greetings to all the Peruvians listening to this podcast. My dad is a, a pastor of a CMA church in Peru. And uh, I grew up as a PK. And while doing that, you know, I received the strong feeling of, you know, I'm called to do ministry when I was 15, 16 years old. So I actually graduated from high school, I think when I was 16. And then the question was, what, where do I study? So the Lord clearly called me to come to the U.S. and prepare. And I followed through. I said, Lord, I'll do it, but I have no financial means to do this. So you need to show yourself and provide. And honestly, he did every step of the way. I ended up coming to Nyack, graduated from Nyack, uh, graduated from ATS. And in the midst of all of that, you know, I started attending a church in New York, uh, which is a church that I'm part of right now, Chinese Alliance Church of Westchester. Uh, this is back in 09. And I started attending first. Then when I graduated from Nyack College, I started, I believe, as a youth director, different titles. Uh, and then yeah, I think it changed into a youth pastor back in, uh, in 2015, officially like full-time. And I've been since, yeah, the same church. So that's pretty much the ministry journey that I've been in. It's always rare actually to find youth pastors that have been serving in the same ministry for, you know, a decade or more. So we really appreciate your faithfulness and just perseverance. You know, 
as you said, you're Peruvian, but you serve at a Chinese church. And so that's pretty rare. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that other than your situation. And so what were what were some like culturally unique things about the Chinese church that stood out to you or, you know, you had to adapt to this because it was just different, you know, two cultures colliding here? I was actually thinking of that, like, what are, what are some things that were different? But as I thought of that, actually, if I could start with what are some of the similarities, like you would think, okay, maybe as a Peruvian young man, you would feel like, okay, this is going to be like extremely different, extremely weird. But Peru, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but there are a lot of Chinese, there's a large Chinese population in Peru. They actually own a lot of the restaurants, I think the, the people... I can't remember what region they're from, but anyway, uh, they own a lot of the restaurants. So growing up, my best friend actually was Chinese, uh, and I went to a school where I had friends that were from Korea, missionary kids that were from different parts of the world, but my best friend was Chinese growing up in middle school, high school. So when I came to his church, uh, honestly, I didn't really see much of a difference Unless I saw a picture, I'm like, okay, we're definitely different, right? Uh, I could notice a difference. But I would feel like I was at home. And I think part of it is also the similarity between the Latino culture and the Chinese culture of being very community-oriented, right? Very collective. So I really enjoy that. That's one of the things that I'm like, okay, I'm definitely staying here because I know that even though my family's in Peru and I'm here by myself, I feel that I belong, right? So that's one of the things I remember at first. And that's one of the reasons why I stayed in my church. But thinking of the differences, I think starting serving at the church, one of the things that I noticed at first was the, I think the term is triangulation, right? When somebody that should tell you what you did wrong would go to your senior pastor and tell them, I don't know if that makes sense. An example of that. As a youth pastor, I would expect parents to come and tell me when I started, okay, you know, things are, these are good. These things are good. These things are bad, but I would only hear the good things and I would never hear the bad things. So I would think, oh man, things are great, right? <laughs> Until a pastoral meeting would come and then the pastor would start telling me some bad things that, you know, that we could improve. And then I found out that I believe that's how Chinese parents do it, you know, just to save face. Uh, they would rather just tell, I guess, your superior so they wouldn't tell you and hurt your feelings. So I think that was the hardest thing for me to get used to. Yeah, you know, that's typical of the Chinese church to, because we are a shame honor culture and to save face and not maybe bring it up to you directly, but rather do the go around. That feels very normal. I definitely have experienced that myself uh, in my time as a youth pastor. I like that you just gave me a new term for that, though, because I've never heard it referred to as triangulation, but kind of like ping ponging this thing from one space to another. That's pretty good. I like that. I'm going to have to remember it. Yeah, I want to go back a little bit to how you even first got into a Chinese church. Like you said, you had a, a Chinese best friend growing up, but but what made you seek out a Chinese church or did you not seek it out? Did, you just, did God just kind of open that door? Why not start at a Peruvian church when you came to the States? Yeah, that's usually a question that I get a lot. Like, how do you end up working at a Chinese church? And I do believe that God was preparing me back in Peru for the season of my life when I was going to serve at a church, what is it, 10, 15 years later? Later, I do believe that he was working on that. I didn't search it, right? 
I came to the U.S. to study, as I think I said that at the beginning. And I actually came to a, a school in Florida first. But because of uh, different reasons, I ended up trying to figure out at one point, am I going back to Peru or am I transferring to a different school? And during that season, I ended up hearing from a missionary in, well, a, a former missionary to Peru that lived in Nyack and worked at Nyack. He was actually the former pastor of the church that I'm serving at, and he knew my family from Peru. So when I was in Florida, my family in Florida, I have some relatives there, called them, and they said, this pastor, Pastor Ed Stewart, greetings to him if he listens to this, he invited me. He said, hey, you know, come over. We have a Latino population and you can come and see if you like it. I remember him the first time I attended the church. He said, I don't know if this might be a weird place for you to be, but if you feel comfortable, please stay with us. So I started attending and just checking it out. And for me, it was interesting. This is a Japanese American pastor at a Chinese church who spoke Spanish with a Peruvian accent. So I loved it. Right. I love Pastor Ed from the beginning. And and he was the father figure that I needed, the family that I needed. Uh, he was the mentor that I needed during my time at uh, Nyack. So that alone, you know, just pastor it alone sold me out to stay at the church. And as I said, uh, after I experienced the community of the Chinese church within I don't know, a month. I'm like, I love this place. So I ended up staying. And then one of the things that maybe at one point I'll, I'll share a little more, but Pastor Ed had a heart for the community. The community was a Latino community, and he wanted to start something with the community. So when he knew that I was coming and that there was another Peruvian friend that also came, he said, this is the perfect opportunity to start something. So he invested. I would say that's the word. He decided to invest in us. And, you know, I fell in love with him and with uh, our church, my church right now. Yeah, I think that's awesome that God does open up those opportunities. He puts specific people in our lives at specific moments and times to prepare us and yeah, uh, and even prepare the church that you're at now to have you serve there and to bring your unique experience and and uh, and background into what God is doing there. I want to actually get back to the the whole triangulation thing, the passive aggressive approach that a lot of times uh, we find in the Chinese church. Did that or encountering that and maybe even continuing to encounter that, how does that not dissuade you from maybe leaving a Chinese church or, you know, when you come across maybe cultural challenges or differences, what keeps you going? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It was very discouraging uh, at the beginning. And I had to figure out, okay, what of these feelings, whatever I'm feeling, it's me, like part of it. Because I think everything that we feel sometimes has to do with me and others, right? Um, and I had to figure out, okay, a lot of this situation has to do with a cultural thing that it's beyond me. It's not about me. They're not necessarily not talking to me because, you know, I was mean or because they don't like me or because so-and-so, whatever, right? It is part of their culture. So once I understood that, I think for me it clicked that it, of course, it is a deeper thing, but it's, <laughs> I think I had to separate those two feelings, right? And once I did that, I ended up opening and giving access to these parents to talk to me because I had to figure out, okay, am I doing something wrong here? Am I not giving access enough to the parents for them to be honest with me, right? And I had to find those opportunities for them to speak truth and just be honest about the things that they thought about our youth group. 
and how things could improve. And once we gave those that access to the parents, honestly, it was way better because we could hear the feedback from what we were doing and we were able to make changes, right? So in a way, it benefited both of us. In the midst of all of that, of course, uh, when I felt in some sort of way defeated or overwhelmed by all of that, I had, I think one thing that kept kept me going was having people that understand the culture and were able to tell me, hey, it's not about you because yeah, it's it's easy to make it about yourself and, and hold on to the pain, right? And get bitter. So I'm glad I had mentors. I had people that knew the culture and were part of Chinese churches and could also tell me, hey, this is something quote unquote normal, but this is these are some ways, some things that you could do to make it better. Yeah, I think there's a lot of other youth pastors who have encountered the same thing. And while it was a surprise for you, maybe for those who are ethnically Chinese, they are more prepared for it or they're expecting it. But practically, I think it's helpful for them. What are what were some of the ways that you said you gave them opportunity? Like, what did that look like for your youth group and for your youth parents? For the youth group, I feel that there was already, we, we tried to create these rules. This is a safe zone, right? This is a place where you can come and you can honestly just be yourself. You could be silly. You could be, you could tell us that you're feeling angry and, and they really were sold by that. They loved that idea. For the parents, I think it was finding opportunities for them to speak in a way that they felt safe. We tried different things, right? We, we started first doing this sort of whole meetings where I invited all the parents and we said, hey, you know, it's going to be like a parent teacher sort of meeting. And we we are here to hear feedback. We want to tell you at the beginning of the year, what are we going to do? Sort of tell you all the great things and some of the things that we and we want to hear from you. What are some of the things that we want to do? We could do better. But the feedback that we would hear in a bigger group was zero. <laughs> I don't know if people just felt uncomfortable or what, but they wouldn't. So we started doing surveys. And then I figure that emailing and honestly just having those one-on-one -on -one conversations were more practical and more uh, meaningful. So I would find the people that I knew were struggling with something because either the kids told me or the parents told me. And I would make a point and honestly just talk to them and hear what they had to say. And from those little conversations, it started to create a sort of a solid trust between between us and mind you back then i was maybe 19 yeah probably 19 or 20 they saw me as this really young peruvian guy right uh so i think that that was also pretty hard for them to to see me as an adult you know in a very hierarchical culture a young person it's not necessarily trusted you know what i mean so i think you probably guys you guys have experienced that now that I'm older, you know, I'm 30, people do trust me more. And of course, I've been there for years, but I feel that one important thing was building trust. So it took a couple of years, but once we build that trust, it was easier to move forward. Yeah, I appreciate the humility that you had to demonstrate to build that trust and receive that criticism or the comments from the church and not respond defensively. Because I think that's that's a really easy response to have. So yeah, thanks for being an example to other youth pastors. And we appreciate that. Yeah, Pablo, how have you felt over the years that you've been at this church? How have you felt they have embraced you? How do you feel like you do fit in and you do, you are a part of the body life of the church there? 
our church is a commuter church. So most of the people that come, they travel from around 20 or I think a 20, 30 minute uh, range to the church. But the community that we are in is Latino. And I believe that our church, many people, they had a heart for reaching out to the community, but just didn't know how. And when they saw that I came to the church, many of them took the time to listen to my story. They took the time to invite me over. And sometimes, you know, when you're a college kid, sometimes if you don't have a car, you have to figure out how to get home or where you're going to stay if you serve on a Saturday and then you have Sunday church. Many of them open their houses to host me, right? And I feel that those little things do make a huge difference. Just asking, hey, how are you doing? A lot of the older Chinese parents that knew that I was serving and then they knew that I was the leader for their kids, they took the time to do those things. Host me, feed me, ask simple questions of how are you doing? Do you need anything? For me, that was a huge thing. And honestly, as I told you, my parents were in Peru feeling, I was feeling like homeless. For me, that was huge. Well, just to give you an example, now I have what I call my Chinese mom. She didn't know me back then, but she knew at one point that I couldn't work because of visa, a visa situation where I, ha I was in a limbo for um, six months. So during those six months, I couldn't get paid. I couldn't work. And that meant no food and, and no place to live, especially in New York. And she said, you know what? Come over and stay with us. And at first it was only for a month, <laughs> but she opened her house for six months. For me, that moved my heart. We have a great relationship now, and I call her my Chinese mom, as I said. But to answer your question, all of those things truly show me that they love me, they cared about me. And another layer of that is they were willing and they were all for serving the community. They didn't know how to do it, but they empowered me to do it. So once we came with a proposal to serve and do something for the community, we created uh, an after-school program. We brought the proposal to the board. The board was all for it. Uh, and they, they said, you know what, run with it. And we've been running with it for six years now. And we've seen many of the, those kids come through the youth group and some of them come to the church. So it, I think part of that you know, is where do you, in, where do you put your money, right, as well? And they could put their money anywhere, but they decided to put it in this ministry. So for me, that's a way of showing that you not only care about the community, but you care also about the people that God is using to reach uh, those people in the community. Yeah, that's great. I love that you have a Chinese mom yeah. and that, uh, that you felt loved and, and accepted. I think that's actually a great thing that I often see in Chinese churches, uh, especially for maybe an older immigrant generation. Yeah. Uh, they remember a lot of times what it was like to be an immigrant themselves. Yeah. And I think there is a desire, and I hope that's true, that there's a desire to be hospitable and so it's great to see that a lot of Chinese churches do that. And a lot of Christians who are older in their faith, who have come from different areas, have that desire. So yeah, uh, praise God for that. Definitely. You know, you talked about how Chinese culture in your church has really made an impact on you. But for the two of us in some of our previous weeks, we've talked a lot about what are going to be the Chinese church's contribution to the kingdom. And equally so, we know that the Peruvian church and Peruvian believers are going to have an impact on the kingdom. And so I'm curious to know, yeah, what are some aspects of your culture that have helped you minister in your church or that maybe you've passed on to the students or passed on to the church? 
I was thinking of that. I think one of the things that is great about Peru is their food. So, <laughs> so I mean, I'm just joking here, but I do think that Chinese food is great, and I also think Peruvian food is awesome. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have tried ceviche or you know some lomo saltado or some of the things that Peru offers, but the place that we are in, in one way, I feel that it helped out. I had this conversation, random conversations, with the people from my church uh, about Peruvian food because the place that we're in has thousands, not thousands, but it has many Peruvian restaurants somehow. So if you're going to come to a place in Westchester to eat Peruvian food, it would be in Port Chester, where it churches. So I feel that that created conversations, right, uh, and, and, and connections. And people do, I feel like great conversations are created and started on a table. So I think that alone was something. But I was thinking of also the way we are, Peruvians and Latinos, I think in general, tend to be very warm and caring and, you know, like even huggy. Like we tend to hug people a lot and uh, embrace people a lot. And when I came to the youth group, the first time I came, I would hug everybody. And then I feel that people would find that weird and maybe even uncomfortable. But to be honest, a few months from then, people knew and were ready to receive. They were waiting for our embrace. Like, because I came with another Peruvian dude and we would do that to everybody, right? And I feel that it was more special within the guys, right? Because the guys, I don't know if it's because they never received that affirmation or that love, you know, from a male figure that having somebody close to their age, because I was 19, you know, these kids were a little younger. Having somebody their age, you know, speak truth into their lives and also truly love them, you know, in, in a caring, warm way. I feel that that was something that they appreciated. So I, I'm going to say that that's something that we passed on to our Chinese brothers and sisters, at least in my youth group. I love that. I think that's so important. And, you know, scripture tells us to greet one another with a holy kiss. And at least in the Chinese churches that, I, that I've been a part of, we barely get to even shake hands because <laughs> we just, for whatever reason, we lack that sort of warmth and the expression of love and fellowship in that way. And so I, I really appreciate that you have shown that to your to your youth group and open that up to your church. You know, I think for you being obviously not ethnically Chinese, you get to come into a Chinese church with a different perspective. And so that means that you probably see blind spots uh, in, in a Chinese church or maybe particularly your church. I wonder if you could gently uh, and, and maybe even carefully share with us what's a, what's a potential blind spot that you see in, in the Chinese church or maybe even just for us culturally that we need to work on as it pertains to our faith and how we can better grow if we address some of these issues. I think it goes hand to hand with what I said earlier. I do believe that Chinese churches love being very hospitable and they love people and they love even those immigrants that come. Uh, one thing that I would say though is that sometimes, and this is not just for a Chinese churches in particular, I think it's for any ethnic church, we tend to focus on our own people. So in, in, in this case, in a Peruvian church, it would be Peruvian people. In a Chinese church it would be only Chinese immigrants, right? That sometimes we forget about where we are. We forget about those that are a little different than us, you know, in any differences like physically or the language that we would speak. So we focus uh, a lot on our own people. 
I do not think that there's anything wrong with that, but I do 100% believe that if God puts you, your church, in a community that you're completely different from, if he puts you wherever he puts you, you need to be a light in that community. You need to love those people. You need to reach out to those people. And sometimes if we are so focused on reaching to our own, and if we are in a place that is different than us, then we neglect those that are different than us. So I do think that that is that would be a blind spot for Chinese churches, uh, ethnic churches as well. You know, that focus mentality on let's do our own, let's reach our own first, uh, and then you know, let's talk about the rest. Do you feel like by being at your church, you've helped to open the eyes of the folks in your church towards the needs of the Latino community? Yeah. One word that I remember people prayed over me. And even, you know, before that, I feel the Lord put in my heart is to be a bridge between the Chinese and the Latinos. Being a bridge between cultures and being a bridge between specifically where God put me in a Chinese church and the Latino community. So I do think that as we said at the beginning, God uses you and, and prepares you. And I think me putting me there, he was preparing me for something that later on, within um, four or five years from when I started, he started moving and using me. You know, there was a trust from the church to reach out to the community. How has serving and belonging to your church as a Chinese church helped you in your own faith? Or maybe a better question would be, how have you seen yourself grow while serving at this church? In the same way that I would expect my Chinese brothers and sisters to love the community, I feel that for me, just growing and, and growing, I guess in every sense, just maturing and also in my faith, would be loving those that are different than me, right? Sometimes I would be a church and people would approach me and just speak to me in Chinese. And sometimes you feel like, okay, you know, like it, it's hard. It's hard to connect or it's hard to understand those that are not like me. But it truly prepared me for New York, I guess. New York, it's a place where there's so many people that are completely different than you. And, and I just feel that God calls us to love everybody, I feel like. And it, it's easy, as I said to stay with your own, but sometimes we we have to love those. Uh, no, sometimes we do have to love those that uh, that are different than us too. It's a great reminder for us. Well, Pablo, what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that is serving in a Chinese church? Don't walk the difficult times of your life of ministry alone. I would say that ministry in itself tends to be lonely. And when you work an ethnic church, it adds another layer of loneliness. And if you add the other layers of, you know, generational gaps and Chinese English ministry creates even more, I feel, loneliness. But my main thing would be don't walk through that alone. You don't have to uh, walk through that alone. Uh, I think just thinking of this whole story, right? Um, my story, having people throughout that were mentors, friends, just people that knew the culture created a lot of opportunities for me to not burn out <laughs> and not give up. And I think that was wisdom that my parents always told me, you know, ask for advice, ask for wisdom to those that know about this. But in the midst of all of that, I feel that don't walk through it alone. As uh, if I would say something, I'm part of the CCA. I know, John, uh, you're part of the CCA as well. And there are so many opportunities to talk to other people, English ministry pastors, youth pastors that are going through the same thing, potentially exactly the same thing that you are going through. So yeah, I think that would be my piece of advice. Hey, 
don't walk through this alone. Yep. And for our listeners who are not familiar with the CCA, that actually stands for the Chinese Church Association of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So it's a network of Chinese Alliance churches around the country. So Pablo, we are so glad that you came on with us. Um, we're really thankful just for your presence, for your ministry and faithfulness at your church. Yeah, we're going to have to do this again sometime, but thanks for coming on with us. For sure. Hey, thank you guys. And thank you for such a great initiative. I'm looking forward to hearing this and you know the future ones. So thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Pablo. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.